I'm excited about the things that uh, God is allowing us to do. And I mentioned a few weeks ago about the Reaching Spanish Nations and how uh, some of these uh, trips are picking up again. And uh, I'm going I'm to give both of our men an opportunity uh, to kind of give a word of testimony uh, about their trip this past week in Chile. So, Brother David Bassler, I'll let you come first. And uh, this ministry, God is uh, blessing and is going to bless this ministry. It began, for those of you that don't know, uh, the Peyton family felt years ago, felt a call to the mission field to Nicaragua and raised support to go to Nicaragua. And then the Lord closed that door um, uh, through a number of different circumstances. And so I spoke to them and, and uh, kind of thought about it a different something that God had pressed upon my heart and their heart to go a different direction. And so there's a help, a goal, a desire to assist national men to start and plant churches in their own country, uh, help train them, uh, help uh, give them the materials they need so they can train uh, their people so that they can reach uh, their country. And so we had the opportunity uh, to go into Chile for the first time. And our brother Gabriel, I'm sure they'll, they'll mention some things about him. Uh, he contacted me several years ago and has just stayed in touch, been asking for uh, help and for, for us to pray for them uh, and uh, just assist them. And so the Lord worked it out for, for these men to go there this week. And uh, so I was just, I was just, I was thankful first time in. They actually made it back. And so uh, there, there's a, there, the, the probability went up that I might visit there one day. And uh, so, uh, so, but I know the Lord blessed that week. And so, uh, Brother Bachelor, you give us a word of testimony and then we'll hear from Brother Payton. Buenas noches. That's all I got. Um, uh, we did have an opportunity to go to Chile, and uh, it was a blessing. Um, and they have a Taco Bell in Santiago, so uh, we passed it anyway. It's probably like a Pizza Hut in Italy. but um, Anyway, uh, it was a, a huge blessing. Um, I don't know why I was asked to go, but I was asked to go. I do not speak Spanish, as most of you have pointed out to me today. Um, I am trying to learn some Spanish, uh, but it did not help anything uh, this past week. But um, just to answer a couple questions that everybody asked me, the super spiritual questions, uh, the food uh, was muy bueno. Um, absolutely amazing food all week long. Uh, I think there was one thing, a uh, little drink that they gave us that was uh, uh, not so good. Uh, dried peaches and wheat uh, in some sugar water, whatever. Um, but everything else was really good, um, so that was the question I got a lot uh, today. Uh, we were about uh, 300 miles or so south of Santiago. Uh, Chile is really thin, really long. Uh, we were smack dab in the middle of the Andes Mountains and the beach. Uh, I mean, you could look over one side and you could see snow-covered mountains, and you could look over the other side and you could see the beach. Um, Beautiful, beautiful country, uh, wonderful people. Uh, it took us uh, 24 hours to get there, 24 hours to get home, uh, so we really had about three days to get there. Uh, on the, the plane ride over there when we weren't sleeping, um, you know, we were talking, trying to figure some things out, what we were going to do when we get there, and uh, had, some, had some goals, had some things, uh, but it became very, very evident, very, very evident as soon as we got there. We, had, um, we flew into Santiago took us about five hours to get uh, to the church. Um, so, of course, you know, I'm in the back listening to Spanish um, and not understanding any of it. But it became very evident to Brother Peyton and I um, very, very quickly that our goals were not God's goals. Um, we were there to go soul winning. 
and, and we did that. Um, uh, we're able to go out a day, and, and Brother Peyton was able to lead a couple uh, young men to the Lord at a, a local park, which was a huge blessing. But really, the reason that uh, I think God sent us there was for the pastor and for the pastor and his family uh, to kind of gather information, gather some of their needs, which we did, uh, to be a blessing to them, uh, which I think they were probably more of a blessing to us. Um, but uh, it was we were there for them, and uh, uh, he does need some help. He does need some training. He does uh, lots of things. He's 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 the pastor of two churches, and I knew that going into it. I was thinking two churches relatively close. His churches are over an hour away from each other, um, o- over an hour away, and then the church that he's closest to is a 20 minutes from his house. Uh, so he's he's all the time driving. We uh, he's got a 2007 um, Chrysler uh, minivan that uh, overheated a couple times on the way from the airport, thankfully not to the airport. Um, but uh, he's got six children. All of them were under the age of 10, I believe. Um, uh, the youngest was one. Uh, I made good friends with his three-year-old daughter who uh, was just intrigued that I didn't speak Spanish as much as I was intrigued that she was trying to speak to me in Spanish. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was we had a good time together. Um, cute little girl, Isa. And uh, but uh, it, it was very very clear that uh, he needs help. And uh, we we tried to help him as much as we could. In the days you know, we got some plans to to help him more. Uh, I mean he he's for the last two years they've been building a profit chamber for them to live in. They're renting a house now. Um, it, it's taken them two years just to get the material, the funds. Uh, it's the men in the church building it beautiful property that they've built um it wasn't quite done but we stayed in that um it's on the church property they have it all framed out they need cement um i think he said about thirty thousand dollars to completely build the church uh think about that it's a 150 seat church it'll cost them thirty thousand dollars so uh just getting the funds but he uh he's he's in good spirits but he's worn out you can tell he's he's worn out a lot of running around so uh pray for him pastor gabriel pray for his family uh, pray for us um, um, that we can help. Uh, the goal is not to go in there and, you know, meet somebody and uh, you got some needs and, you know, we'll pray for you, brother. We want to help them. Um, and uh, we, we physically want to help them. We spiritually want to help them any way we can. So we're going to figure all that out. Uh, but continue to pray for us. Um, I am trying to learn Spanish because apparently I am part of Reaching Spanish Nations. Uh, they even gave me a jacket, um, but I know no Spanish. <laughs> Uh, We are going to Ecuador next month, um, up in the Andes. We will literally be in the Andes Mountains. Uh, Everybody keeps saying we're hiking. Hopefully we're driving up, but we will be spending the night in tents in in areas that uh, the pastor we're going to see has never even been. So uh, uh, pray for that trip. Uh, We did learn in uh, uh, Chile that um, it's very cold. Um, We were very cold. Maybe that's just because you live in Florida, but um, it was 30 degrees at night, so we're going to be even colder in the Andes Mountains. Uh, so pray for that. Uh, I think we do have a, a trip to Costa Rica coming up, uh, and then maybe even uh, Puerto Rico here uh, in the near future. So um, I thank you for your prayers. M- many of you, many of you uh, last Sunday uh, expressed to me that you were praying for me. Uh, it was certainly appreciated, certainly uh, helpful, uh, but continue to do that, and uh, we'll just trust God uh, in this uh, early endeavor that we have. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Glassler. Brother Peyton, you come on up. Uh, Brother Gabriel sent me a picture when they, he picked up Brother Peyton and, and Brother uh, Bassler and 
and he's all smiles, and Mike's all smiles, and there's another Spanish guy, he's all smiles, and Dave just had this dazed look on his face, <laughs> and uh, so I sent him a message back, it's, and take care of everybody, especially the gringo, and uh, I got a message back from, from Brother Gabriel, yeah, it's unfortunate he doesn't speak, but a bachelor doesn't speak Spanish, and I said, yeah, that's pretty, pretty unfortunate, uh, but, uh, but I was glad that they, uh, he was willing and able to go and uh, to be a, a part of that, and uh, so Brother Peyton, you give us an update. What I'd like to say officially, Chile stands for Chile. It's cold down there, so we took off from Orlando. We went down to Santiago. It was a 10-hour flight, and then after that, they picked us up, Pastor Gabriel and a Venezuelan preacher boy by the name of Emmanuel. They drove up about five hours to come get us, and then they took turns. This was after their work day, and then we drove back about another five hours. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, um, on the way, you know, we stopped to get some food, and they saw McDonald's, and they thought we'd like that, so I told them, no, we want the Chileno experience. Give us the, the Chile food. So we had churras churrasco uh, on the side of the road and one of the little bit of the mountain passes, and we felt that wind chill, and it was intense. But um, So we, we kind of knew what we were getting into. And then uh, we got there to Chillán, to the parsonage, and then Emmanuel didn't go to sleep. We went to sleep at 4 in the morning. 6 in the morning, he went to work at the farm, in this cold farm. And um, it just, it began to work on my heart, you know, what they're going through. This boy, Emmanuel, is a Venezuelan migrant, and he, he doesn't have a place he calls home because of what Hugo Maduro has been doing. And so he found himself in Peru, got married three months ago. He has a baby on the way, lives in this cold farmhouse, and he's here with smiles all over his face to pick us up. And then um, he's not buying any meat to pay the bills, folks. We, we eat good. These folks are not eating good, and they were smiling, not even complaining to come get us. So it started off that way, you know, working on my heart, and then we went to Chillán. We stayed there. We got to know the estufa really well. That's the stove. You know, you put the wood in there, and, uh, man, you need that thing because it is cold. And I couldn't get the, the hot water working the first day. That was trouble. Um, but then we met uh, Pastor Gabriel, and his wife came with a picnic basket the first morning. What a blessing they were to us. And this man, he was sent out of Santiago, Chile. He's never, never went to Bible college. He's got meager wages, but he's just, he just felt the call of God to go. And he started a church in San Fernando. It's the first church plant. It's a home church. All the churches that we saw down there are, are home churches. They don't have church buildings. So San Fernando, he starts that church. He told me a little bit about the shame it was for him. He didn't even have a car as a pastor, so all the brothers had to take him back and forth. I mean, he doesn't have much. And then, you know, that was a successful church plant, and he passed it over to another preacher. And he went on to the third, uh, we went to the third church plant on Wednesday. Uh, and we preached there in Linares. Brother Bassler was a natural there. He was a big blessing to me and to all of us. Um, they loved him, and he preached a, a great message there in uh, Lindo Mar's home, which is a Venezuelan uh, guy who's been displaced from Venezuela. He opened up his home, and now there's 30 meeting in there, and they're packed. I mean, they need a church building. And then we went to the last church plant, San Carlos, and I preached there, and there was about 60 people there. And again, it's cold. It's outside in a carport, and these people have filled it up every seat. If they put any more seats, they got to sit outside. And, I mean, they were just so excited, the reports that we heard after it and everything. Uh, these people are, are, are ready to evangelize Chile. Uh, Brother Gabriel was a blessing to us. We got to go and, 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 and investigate on the, uh, the, the travel requirements as far as 
our aviation ministry. We have an open door because of the FAA. And, I mean, it was just of God that uh, we saw how everything works. I mean, it's a long country, 3,000 miles. We went to go buy some souvenirs, and um, his, like, some, something in his car just fell out in the middle of the street. I mean, it is just, he's, he's trying to piece it together. And mind you, he's holding this church together, this church together, that church together. And that man is holding it all. So uh, we felt, if you would, that Macedonian call that we need to help these people. You know, Brother Bassard spoke of and alluded to the, 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 the work they need. They spent two years building up this parsonage. They went into debt to buy beds so that we can actually sleep in there. And uh, now they're trying to figure out how to pay for it all. And, and we, we just need, we need to, um, if we can, help these people. Um, so if... If we can, it would be a blessing that we can go down there. They have six men working round the clock to uh, build this church. They don't have the funds. If we can get the funds and we can get the manpower, we go down there with their six men and help them build it up. And, you know, he can turn it over to a preacher boy, perhaps Emmanuel. Then we can go on to the next place, you know, Punta Arenas. We were talking about uh, going down to that city, which is the, South Amer- the, the, the southernmost po- point of the Western Hemisphere. It's almost by the Antarctica. There's 100,000 people there, and there's no preachers. There's no, uh, speaking of those two men that we went soul winning, and we talked to them. I mean, it was unreal. I sat there, and I talked to them, Javier and Freddy, and I, and I asked them if they ever heard the Bible. You heard a Bible verse. Have you heard the gospel? If you, do you know anything? Do you know, you know for sure if you were to die today, you go to heaven? Nothing. They've never heard anything. And um, by the grace of God, they got saved. And... Um, so while we were winning them here in Jacksonville, we were also winning them there in Chile. And, I mean, I think the, 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 the door is wide open. Um, there are so many cities in need. I got called last night and got confirmation about uh, March 6th through 10th in, um, in Ceiba, uh, Puerto Rico, which is by the Roosevelt Navy base that was shut down in 2005. We're going to head there. We got Ecuador. Ecuador. We're going up to cities, Batan, Mayuduro, uh, Soldado, all these cities that there are not people going to win them for Christ. People are dropping into hell, and this world is multiplying, and people are going to hell, and we have an opportunity to do something. So I just want to thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving, and continue. Let's, let's see how far God will take this. Thank you. All right, we turn to the book of Jude, and uh, it's exciting to see what God has allowed us to be a part of. And uh, I think uh, when I think of all of our ministries and Operation Light and the things we're doing in Africa and uh, certainly reaching Spanish nations, I think God has given us an open door um, to make a difference. God, if, if, if people have a burden to reach people, God will provide the way, and uh, God will use us. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a little glimpse of the vision, because I have mentioned reaching Spanish nations through the years. And of course, the Paytons have been a part of this. We've been to other countries several different times, and um, then... Uh, some of the things that I've, I've spoke about recently in the aviation and where does all that fit in. Uh, part of what we're doing, we've been praying for God to, and Brother Gabriel's been in touch with me for years, uh, begging for help for his, his country, uh, desiring to, if he could get his family here to train. He said, I'll come train there and go back. But of course, uh, that's, that's not possible. And uh, so, but, uh, and I, I like the idea of like, well, I'm just going to get started with what I know and do what I, what I can do. But part of what I think the, the Lord is enabling us to do with that, and I know what time it is, and I, I have a message that I can abbreviate tonight, um, is you know, we, we have a man like that that we can go in and be a help and a blessing to. Um, we go and we 
help them with their buildings. We secure our own facilities there. We have contact with the local airport there. We have our own, I mentioned a couple of Sunday nights ago, I have our own language school uh, to train people in uh, the, lang- the Spanish language. So Brother Bassler, hang on, it's coming. Um, but uh, then you, we can train men and women right here, speak the language, train them how to train, send them to these points like in Chile, Costa Rica, Ecuador, and literally just have a pipeline of laborers in and out of these countries. And maybe you say, well, that's going to take a while. Well, to, to affect the world, it does take, it does take a little bit of time. Um, you say, well, that seems hard and impossible. Oh, no, it's very, very possible uh, when it comes to the things of the Lord. So you pray for this ministry. And I was excited to hear the um, um, report and uh, going, to the, uh, 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 going to Ecuador next month. That's a great opportunity for them. So every day, if you're not pray, praying for this ministry, you should pray for this ministry. And pray that God would enable us uh, to do more uh, for him in this, this area. And it's a good reminder that we're spoiled in the United States of America. Uh, absolutely spoiled. Um, and uh, I would love for so many of you, I want to take our young people uh, on, on trips to some of these countries, change their perspective. Um, and um, we, we so many times, and it's, it's a natural thing. I'm not fussing at anybody tonight. We let the American dream get in the way of the Great Commission. And um, there's great, great opportunity ahead of us. And so pray for this ministry. Jude, do you know what chapter? Verse number 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. For a few minutes, and I'm only going to take 15, maybe 20 minutes, I want to speak to you on requirements for making a difference. Requirements for making a difference. Father, help us tonight for these next few minutes uh, to really evaluate our role in making a real difference. I pray that you would use this church in greater ways. I pray that you would use these people to make a difference as they go to work tomorrow, as they interact with uh, people in this community. But as we pray, may we make a difference. As we give, may we make a difference. And, Father, I pray that uh, you would encourage us, enable us to do more. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A professor asked a ministerial student why he wanted to go into the ministry. And his response was to make a difference. The wise professor then asked the student to make a difference for who? For you or for someone else? It's an interesting question. Sometimes we, our Christianity is very selfish. We know that if we obey God, he will bless us. That's a fact. That's a law that God has written and established. And there's motivation. And I'm not against being motivated for God's blessings. 
But we have to be reminded that, as I preached this morning, really making a difference is about other people. I love the book of Jude. It's a small book, one chapter. Jude warns of the apostates. Jude warns of false doctrine. And Jude is very, Jude is very plain spoken of what he calls those who their doctrine would send people to hell. But then, after he takes that strong, bold stand, he concludes uh, this chapter with some very interesting things that I think would be a help to us as we think of requirements for making a difference. I have one life. You have one life. I would use my life to make a difference. How do you make a difference? Um, you make a difference in the lives of other people. Long after you're gone, after I'm gone, what's going to remain is the fact that we serve the Lord, we made a difference in the life of other people. Um, when your funeral and my funeral takes place, nobody's going to talk about your profession. They're not going to talk about accomplishments. They're going to look into that casket. They're going to reflect that person made a difference in my life. That person made a difference in the life of somebody else who made a difference in my life. That's the kind of life that I want to live. And very quickly we see here, and I will be mindful of the time tonight, I'm just going to mention four things, four requirements that I find in our, our scripture tonight for making a difference. Number one, if we're going to, you and I are going to make a difference, we must first realize it takes faithfulness. In verse 20 and 21, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There's several things there, and I'll mention them very quickly. We're talking about having to be faithful to make a difference. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. I will do my best as I preach the word of God to help all of us week in and week out. But according to the word of God, your responsibility is to build you up. You should be building your faith. You should, well, I hope pastor gives a good one today to build me up. Well, uh, you know, there's days that we need that, but on a daily, but what's it take? It takes faithfulness. Day in, day out, you build up your faith. Also, verse 21, I believe, among some, uh, a couple of other things, uh, looking for uh, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes faithfulness. Those that leave the things of God are not faithful to the house of God, the word of God. They're not looking for Christ's return. It takes faithfulness. Boy, the, the emphasis is on being faithful. Hey, you're here tonight on a Sunday night. Don't raise your hand, but maybe you didn't feel like being here tonight. You're here. Maybe you had to overcome some things to be here tonight, but you're here. And uh, I appreciate sometimes we see uh, the kids and they squirm a little and, and your husband squirms a little in, in the seat there and you look around and you say, oh, I just wish, I'm glad they're here. Uh, my kids are, are older now, but I remember it was like, to get three hard-headed, rebellious girls in the car and get on the church. That was my wife and two of my daughters, but anyway. <laughs> you must be faithful, number two. And if some have compassion. If you're going to make a difference, the requirement for making a difference is having some compassion. We must care. You must have compassion for other people. Boy, if the, the thought of... This world, dying, going to hell, doesn't move you. You've got a compassion problem. Um, the, and, we're, and one of the things this political, whatever you want to call it, the last several years has done in the hearts of Christians has made them less compassionate. As we've listened to political rhetoric, and I'm not intent on changing my stand whatsoever, what the Bible stands 
We got to be reminded those that don't vote like we vote, we ought to be seeking to see their souls saved. And what's happened is taking away our compassion. And we're going to see in just a moment, you're supposed to have a stand, but those two should balance each other out. One does not come at the expense of the other. And it's time for God's people. And I thank God that we as a church are a compassionate people. But the Bible tells us if we're going to make a difference, you must have some compassion. That, that's a much different than a callous Christian. Be very, very careful, Christian. There'll be a lot of things that take place in this world. There'll be people who take advantage of your compassionate heart. Don't ever become callous at what people do. Don't ever, well, I just, I'm not going to do it because I might get hurt again. Well, if you get hurt again, you get hurt again. But we ought to care about people. Well, I'm just, I'm just not going back to church. I got hurt at the last church. You think everybody is excited about the pastor, what the pastor does? Well, you, you, you're, gonna, you're going to get hurt again if you try and help people. Be compassionate. Are we going to make a difference? I tell you, the church that makes a difference in this world today is a church that's compassionate. Then it leads us to the third requirement. Verse 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You've got to tell some the truth, that if you die in your sins, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, I just don't believe you've got to scare people in salvation. I was, as, as, as a child, I was scared of going to hell. And some save with fear. There, there are times as a preacher, you've got to stand up, and you, you've got to really paint a very vivid picture of the reality of what it means to die in your sins. I just don't believe in scaring people to get saved. Call it what you want to call it. The Bible says that you save some with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. What does that take? It takes the third thing. It takes boldness. Boldness. Sadly, we live in a day when Christians want to take, that they want to water down everything. If you're going to tell the truth and speak the truth, it takes boldness to do it. People say, I'd love to have the spirit that the Emmanuel Baptist Church has. Well, you better be bold behind the pulpit. I'd love to have the spirit that, 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 our, that the young people have. It, it, you've got to be bold. Well, I, I wish we had an evangelistic church, a soul-winning church. It takes boldness to make a difference. Friend, don't lose your boldness. Say, well, I'm shy. I'm not trying to change your personality. And all of us have different personalities. And believe it or not, I'm really an introvert. Did you know that? I really am. I don't, I don't like to speak in public. And now you can't shut me up. I tell you, God, God, God will do amazing things when he puts a call in your life. But boldness, we must have boldness. And then number four, we, if we're going to make a stand, it's required. If we're going to make a difference, it's required to, to, to have a stand. In verse 23, as we've already seen, others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. This is carnal versus spiritual. We, this is one of the downfalls that, that's taking place in our, in our nation. I don't want us to, to fall into the same trap. It's so easy to point at a wicked world and condemn. And part of the responsibility of this pastor and this preacher is to warn our young people, to warn parents, to warn all of us of what this world will do to you. It will destroy you. Sin will take everything good from you, use you up, and cast you aside. 
So there, there has, we, we, we need it. We warned of this world, but it's easy for us to look at a wicked world and say, I'm not that bad. When we ought to get to the place when there's even a spot on the garment, that it would grieve our heart. If we would let words come out of our mouth that would offend God, that would grieve us. If we allow things in our life that we know is displeasing to God, it ought to grieve us. We are all flesh and blood, and I'm thankful that God remembers we are but dust. Aren't you thankful for that? But when we fall and when we fail, it should bother us. It should grieve us. When we sit in a church service and the Spirit of God convicts us and points out something in our life that ought to change, Boy, you, you, the, the pastor shouldn't have to plead for you to come to the altar. As soon as that first, that, that, that we bow our heads and that first note is played, we ought to be so grieved in our heart that we would offend God. If you're going to make a difference, it still takes holiness, still takes righteousness. But you know who ought to make sure that we're doing what we ought to do? You, I didn't say that your neighbor's doing what they should do. I didn't say what this world is should be doing what the world should do. But how's your garment? Is it spotted? Are there things in your heart, in your life? Do we want to make a difference? That's the difference. In a, and if you read the whole book of Jude in this context, Jude condemns the carnality of, Linked to religion. Jude condemns apostasy, the leaving of the truth. Jude is not very kind to those who would water down the doctrine of Christ. Jude points out the fact that you have to take a stand and you and I must be reminded that which the Bible says is right is right. And there's always a conflict, no matter who you are, between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit in the flesh. We must seek to live a spiritual life, not a, car, not a carnal one. Well, I just, this is what I think about things. Is that a carnal position or is that a spiritual position? Well, if, 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 if they ask me to forgive them, I'll forgive them. Is that a carnal reaction or is that a spiritual reaction? Oh, friend, you and I, if we're going to make, truly make a difference, don't you want to make a difference? I don't want to live and die, and that's all I did. I want to make a difference in the life that I have. I want to make a difference, I make a difference in the life of one person that was worth me living my entire life. If I can point one person to Christ, it's worth the faithfulness, it's worth the compassion, it's worth the boldness, it's worth the stand. Men in your homes, you've got to be bold in your leadership. You've got to have position in your home in a Bible position. Church, we must continue to be faithful, to be compassionate, to make a difference. I'm afraid we underestimate the importance of making a difference in one life. In one life. Great thing, God can do great things. You realize that God put you on this planet for a purpose? He could have put you on this planet to touch one specific life. You say, well, that doesn't seem very significant, but there's nothing more significant 
than to touch a life. For now, I want our church to make a difference. That's why we put the emphasis where we do. That's why I'm taking some time to, to highlight some, some, some things that uh, we are starting or restarting as we get more and more established and pushing towards a new year and uh, new goals and uh, new aspirations for the Lord. Do you know how we're going to do it as every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church just decides, I want to make a difference. It doesn't matter what your profession is, are you making a difference? That's why I urge our young people from, and parents, uh, you please, uh, we should be on the same team with this. We want our children to make themselves available to serve the Lord with their life. Why? They can make a greater difference. Well, I didn't have that opportunity, but maybe your kids have that opportunity. Maybe those children you teach in that Sunday school class has that opportunity. We can make a difference so that somebody else can make a difference in the lives of others. It's wonderful hearing that testimony just a moment ago. I hope it was a blessing to you. But I believe this church made a difference, can continue to make a difference. I don't know why God has given us some of the opportunities he's given us, but he's entrusted us with the opportunity to make a difference. This pastor who they went to see, I've mentioned a couple times, for years, he's contacted me. Would you pray for us? I watch your live stream so I can try and learn English. So I message you back through the translator. You're not going to learn English listening to me preach. I promise you that. <laughs> Pray for my country. Pray for my family. I get videos from them at Christmas time. They, the family learns how to say Merry Christmas, Pastor Neil, in English from all the kids. Boy, that's making a difference, an opportunity to make a difference. Whose life are you making a difference in? You should make a difference in those that live in the home with you. Make a difference in the life of somebody who you encounter this week. I, was, I enjoyed our Sunday school lessons on John the Baptist. I hope you did as well. You know, for those of you that have forgot, we just spent six weeks on the life of John the Baptist. One thing I love about the life of John the Baptist is he was just a voice. And anybody can be a voice. Anybody can make a difference. There's a recipe. The Bible is a recipe book of how you and I can make a difference. Maybe all determined, as I challenge us this morning, to all determine that we have given and surrendered ourselves to God so that we might give as we ought to give. May tonight, may this service, may the testimonies, may this brief message, brief message, you're welcome. May it challenge us, challenge us to live our lives, to make a difference. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight.